Good morning. morning. It's wonderful to be able to worship with you on a weekly basis when we're here in town, and then to be able to stand up here as one of you and share the Word of God and open it with you. So why don't you turn with me to Romans 15, and uh, if Pastor Jerome is listening, I hope I don't do a lot of damage uh, today, Pastor Jerome. I hope... I hope this goes well. (laughs) All of you have had an extra hour of sleep, so that means I can preach an extra hour. Is that right? (laughs) No, I know better than that. I know better than that. Romans 15, before we get to our text, I just want to mention to you that um, today we're just going to slow down. And look at one verse. This summer when uh, my family and I were traveling, we were traveling back from some time in Maine um, on sabbatical and we stopped in Philadelphia for a couple of days. And when we did, uh, one of the first things that we did, the boys wanted to do, was to see the Rocky statue. And they all, you know, posed in front of Rocky. I said, you know this is in front of a world-famous art museum. So if we're going to go there, we're going to go inside. So we did, and as we were in there, to my surprise, for all the good work of Mrs. Sutton uh, in the elementary school that our kids went to, they knew some of these paintings and the art artists, and I thought, this is wonderful. They said, Dad, look at this. That's Van Gogh's sunflowers. I thought, that is amazing. So we stood there and watched it. And a lot of people were there and they were moving around and you just kind of felt a little rushed. But I didn't want to be rushed. Right? I wanted to stand there and I wanted to look at it. I wanted to take it in. We all did. This was painted by a world-renowned artist. This picture shows up all over the place. And here it is, the actual painting, the one he touched, and all of the beautiful colors and all of the things he chose to put on that canvas with that incredible ability that God gave him to make it look just like that. I don't want to be rushed. I want to just stand here and stare at it for a while. And I took a picture. I didn't know if I could or not, but I saw other people. If you didn't have your flash on, you could have. So I went like this, took a picture of it, and that's the picture that I took uh, here with our text this morning, uh, Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. And that's where we're going to park today as we listen to the word of God. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Let's come to the Lord. Father, we're so grateful for your word. And so as we open your word together, we pray that the Holy Spirit would cause us to have all joy and peace in believing your word so that we might abound by the power of the Holy Spirit in hope. 
And so we pray, Father, today that there would be encouragement, that there would be strengthening, that there would be instruction, that there would be faith that would rise in our hearts, that would believe the word of God, that would take hold of it, and that it would be transformative for us. We pray, Lord, today that if someone came today downcast or focused on all the stuff that's going on in the world or whatever, that God, they would take hold of your word and the promises of your word, that faith and joy and peace and hope would rise in their heart and cause them, Lord, to glorify you today. We just pray for that. I pray for your anointing today on me as I proclaim this word, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, In preparing for this, I noticed that one pastor had said, and I thought this was brilliant, this particular verse is two-directional. So in one way, it's a prayer. It says, may the God of hope fill you. So it's a prayer. Paul is praying this to God, but while he's doing it, He's looking them in the eye, so to speak, through the letter. He's saying to the Romans, may the God of hope fill you. May he fill you. May he fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. He's praying that over them. And so as we prepared for this morning... I've been praying that over you. And as I've been living out this text this week, I've been praying that over other people. But I don't just say that and say, hey, you know, I've been praying for you. Rather, what I do is I say in a text, like I said to a pastor this morning, I said, I just want to know that I'm praying for you and your congregation this morning. And I'm thinking of you because he roasted coffee for Amy and me. So I said, your coffee is delicious, and by the way, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for your church, and I quoted this. I said, this is my prayer for you, and so he received it, and I have been doing that again and again, and so this morning, I pray this prayer over you. May the God of hope, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing Now, I am not just praying this as some rote prayer. But I know that as I'm praying Scripture, God will actually answer my prayer. So I know that everyone here that is hearing me pray this prayer, and I'm praying this prayer over you, I'm praying what God wants to have happen in your life. I'm praying what He wants to have happen in my life. And so as I'm praying that, And I'm praying that over you. I'm praying it with expectation that there will be in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit an increase of faith and joy and peace and hope that will just be spiraling up in just such a wonderful, glorious worship to God. And so that's my prayer for you this morning. That's my prayer for my family That's my prayer for so many people. And I just want to encourage you to use Scripture this way. You say, I just don't ever know what to pray for. Well, we have so much in the Word that if you just pray the Word, you'll have plenty to pray about. So just take up God's Word 
and put it on your lips, put it in your heart, and get it ready for the times when God wants you to use it. And so I, I say, memorize this. Since I've only had one verse of scripture to preach on this morning, I have memorized it. Maybe you've noticed, I don't know, but I've been just, I haven't been looking down because I've been trying to impress it in my brain. The reason why is because if I get it in here, and I get it in here, and it's on my lips, then it can be employed, it can be used. I want it to be ready at my fingertips, on my lips, ready to be spoken, ready to be prayed, where I could just reach out to someone and put my hand on their shoulder and say, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. To see someone that is totally just wrecked, put your hand on their shoulder and say that. You see someone that's grieving, you put your hand on their shoulder and pray that. Amy and I traveled to... Um, near Cincinnati to awake on Friday night for one of our ministers who passed away. And his son-in-law, I'm on his board of his church um, as one of our district uh, affiliated churches. So I wasn't able to be with them yesterday at the funeral. I was there at the wake. Amy and I were. And um, that family uh, was responding to everything that they were experiencing with such faith um, they were hurting, but they weren't without hope because they had the promises of God. And so we kept hearing the promises of God and talking about the word and talking about the gospel and talking about God's goodness and him being ushered into God's presence. In fact, they said, you know, dad was talking and we didn't know who he was talking to. He says, is it time? Okay. Wonderful. Let's go. He was talking to Jesus. He was ready. They're like, this was so comforting to us. And so then on Saturday morning, I said to him, I said, hey, Pastor Pete, I just want you to know I'm praying for you and your family today. I know that you're grieving, but we do not grieve as those who have no hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. So I want to encourage you as we're looking at this, take it up, learn it, know what you're talking about when you say it, and pray it over people. And look them in the eye when you say it. Say, I would like to pray for you. May I pray for you? May the God of hope and pray it over them. Okay, we're going to look now at how God produces hope in believers because this verse shows us how he does that. And first of all, uh, we learn from this verse that hope originates from God. Hope comes from God. Uh, God is the God of hope. Hope comes from him this kind of hope doesn't come from anywhere else. It comes from God. He is the, the source of our hope as Christians. So in other words, our hope does not come from anything that we do or say. 
I can't say anything or do anything that could give you hope uh, other than what God has said. Uh, Do you have the power to ensure the future? How many, who here has the power to change your future? Now, I'm not speaking at a graduation, so (laughs) I'm talking about real life here. Those of us that have lived a while, we know you don't have the power to really change. You don't know what tomorrow is. I mean, you can do things that are predictive of good things, and God expects you to do that, but you really don't have the power to do that. Everything that you do in your life is, uh, you know, enabled by and given to you by God anyway, but... You don't, you, you're not living in tomorrow. You're living in today. You don't have any power to add another hair to your head or another day to your life. You don't have the power to do that, and neither do I. I don't have the power to know what's going to happen tomorrow. If I did, I'd be very wealthy. Although I would not sin by gambling, I can tell you that. Okay, or you might say to somebody, hey, don't worry, be happy. And I say, well, that sounds really great, but the song is kind of fun. But that doesn't really change anything, does it? So how am I supposed to not worry? How am I supposed to be happy? How am I supposed to, on what basis? I wish if I said that to somebody, it would change. It does not change things. God is different. God is not limited. He he knows everything. He has all power. He knows the future. In fact, he's in charge of the future. That's why he can send a prophet, Elisha, and say, I know that the economy is wrecked today, but tomorrow everything's going to be selling at a different price. That's because God's in charge of it. And he can just say, tomorrow it's going to be different. And he just says it. You and I don't have that power, but God does. And he is fully in charge, all power. He is not wringing his hands, wondering how it's going to come out tomorrow. Oh, I hope they do the right thing. I hope they cooperate. I mean, he wasn't wringing his hands with the cross. Oh my goodness, this is really bad. I hope we can pull this out. He wasn't doing that. He was fully in charge. As the scriptures proclaimed, he was betrayed. He was crucified. And he was raised on the third day. He proclaimed it hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years ahead. And he did and performed his word. And so this is the God that that we serve. And this is the God that says to you, do not be afraid. Because I am with you. And you can take that to the bank. You know that's true. This is the kind of God we serve, and it's different than just saying, hey, I'm wishful in my thinking. Now, you could say, for example, you know, I really hope that the Cubs win next year. I'll say that because I watch the Cubs, but I will say, you could say, I I really, I'm hopeful that the Cubs, but you don't know that. In fact, it's not really likely, but if it happened, If it happened, it would be really wonderful. But you don't have any control over that. We're not talking about that kind of hope. That's not it. We're talking about a bedrock hope that is based in God. Now that's that's a sure deal. 
It's grounded in the reality of who God is. Sometimes we will say, hey, you know, I'm hopeful that things are going to really work out. I'm going to hit this milestone. I'm going to have these resources. I'm going to be able to do this, you know, in the, in the coming weeks or years, and this and that and the other, and you're feeling really good about it. But again, life can change. And I've lived long enough. I'm 51 now. Uh, my elementary schools are gone. My middle school and my high school and my Bible college have been merged and absorbed by other schools. And the only thing that I have left is my seminary. That's it. And I could say, well, it's a pretty strong seminary. It's got, you know, over a thousand students in that seminary, and it's got a good endowment, and it's got great buildings and great faculty and all. And you could say that, but you don't know what tomorrow might bring. You don't know what the coming years would bring. I've lived long enough to see great neighborhoods become bad neighborhoods. I've seen great towns fall apart. I have seen church buildings built and abandoned in a 50-year period of time. In fact, sometimes I travel around and I say, I I remember when this church had, you know, a thousand people and now it has 20. And you can remember that. So we can fall pray to the idea of just relaxing and saying, I feel really good about my circumstances, and that's what we place our hope in. But the Bible is really very clear that the only one that we can place our hope in is God. Because what happened in the fall is we said, God, take a hike. I'm going to run my life my way, the way I see it, and I'm declaring independence from you, and I think I can run it better than you can. And so we are running in an unnatural state of separation from the Lord until we're born again and brought back into relationship with him. But even when we're born again, many times we forget and we stop orbiting around the Lord and we stop realizing that a God-centered life is what we were created for. And we wonder why we don't have joy and we wonder why we don't have hope and we wonder why we don't have peace. It is because we need to get back in orbit around the Lord. And so, he is the God of hope. He is the God of hope. Paul said to the Ephesians in Ephesians 2, Remember that you were at, at that time separated from Christ. This is before they were born again. Alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise. They didn't know the word. Having no hope. And without God in the world. Jesus said, And anyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So I hope that no one here is building your life on the circumstantial things around you. But that you realize that you could have everything that's the American dream today. It could all be gone tomorrow. But if you have Jesus, you have everything you need. 
And your joy and your peace should still be in place tomorrow, even if it's all gone just like that. I know that's easy to say. I'm not saying you won't be crying. But there will be an undercurrent of joy because you will be reminding yourself of what God has said and you will be comforting yourself with the fact that God is in charge. The second thing, I'm trying to move along. I've cut some things out. The second thing, hope is rooted in the promises of Scripture. Hope is rooted in the promises of Scripture because the God of hope that we serve is a God who speaks. And he speaks to us words of encouragement. He speaks to us words of instruction. And he speaks to us words of hope. Words of promise. This is exactly how the gospel works because the gospel is essentially words of promise. Jesus did this. God did this in Jesus. And therefore, if you believe it, and trust and receive these promises and live your life according to these promises, you will be saved. It's pretty simple. And God rewards those that believe. And so if you believe his promises, if you believe his truth uh, by faith, then that produces in your life the joy and peace that we're talking about. So those of us that are believers this morning ought to be hanging on every word that God has spoken. You should be hanging on every word that he has spoken. Did God say it? Good. Then I'm going to be okay. Did God really say that? Awesome. Then I don't need to worry about the outcome of the election. And every election is apocalyptic. Have you noticed this? Every one of them. And I used to warn my congregations... Do not be swallowed up by the spirit of Antichrist that is at work in the world that is looking for a political solution to what only the gospel of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God can solve. Don't put your hope on that. I'm not saying don't vote. Vote. But don't put all your hope in it. Our hope is in God who raises up and takes down leaders. He's the God of Daniel. Do not be afraid. Right? Stay true to his word. If we jump back into verses 1 through 12, you'll see what I'm talking about. As you go back into verses 1 through 12 of this chapter, you'll notice, for example, in verse 4, that Paul is addressing a problem in the Roman church. A problem of them not getting along, of them not accepting one another. And I, I wish I had time to preach on that, I don't. But then he writes, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. That through endurance and through encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Through endurance, through the scriptures, we might have hope. This is why the word of God was written for us. That we might have hope. And Paul is saying that God has given their scriptures to us to instruct us, to encourage us, and to give us hope. 
And then he quotes all kinds of scripture that points to Jesus as the one who was promised and came and what he did for us, that we might experience the mercy of God. And so all of the pages of scripture are lined with hope. Everything that God is speaking to you from Genesis 1-1 all the way to the end of Revelation is about the hope that God wants you to have in him about the hope in Jesus Christ, about hope in the gospel. And so let's put ourselves in a place where we're regularly in Scripture and letting it speak to us. I feel like one of the great concerns that I have for the church today, I'm not speaking of this church in particular, I'm just speaking in general across the the country, is that believers are neglecting the Word of God. They are not meditating on the Word. They do not know the Word. They are not living by the Word. So there are some things that we used to just take for granted that people knew Christians did do or didn't do, and sometimes now I think people really don't know that. They're not in the Bible. You cannot sustain yourself just simply on a sermon a week. This time in the Word is important. It has a biblical function in your life. But it is one installment of countless installments. And every day you should be in the Word and meditating on God's Word. And allowing the Holy Spirit to use it in your life. The Holy Spirit takes up and uses the Word of God. And so if you neglect it, you're going to become a very anemic Christian you're going to be very weak. And so I just challenge you this morning to take up the Word of God and make it a part of your day. And I'm not talking about just even devotions. I'm talking about making it a part of your day. On your forehead and on your wrist, the Word of God needs to be there, right in front of you, all the time, front and center, a part of your day so that you know it and that you can live it. It needs to be on your lips. It needs to be in your heart. It needs to be on your mind. It needs to be in your song. It needs to be filling your day. And so I just want to challenge you with that. Verse 8 says that Paul is saying that Jesus became a servant to the circumcised or the Jews in order to show God's truthfulness. His truthfulness. How did he show? He showed God's truthfulness in the Word. The word that was written about Jesus. And so Jesus fulfilled that to show God's truthfulness. You can have confidence in the Lord. God keeps his promises. Every single one of them. God cannot lie. It's not in his nature. And he has the power to keep them. And he does. Paul would say to us today just what he said to the Romans when they were having trouble understanding what God was doing in the church and how he had brought Gentiles and Jews together in the gospel as one people of God. And they rejected this, and they were rejecting each other, and Paul says that's not what Scripture teaches. And when he teaches them the right thing, uh, and I'm just going to put these... Put this in my own words. All of you need to get your head in the game. 
You need to get focused on the word. You need to know what it says. And live it out and believe it. Get your head in the game. Think, focus on the word of God and what it says. In the last year, we've been through a lot of difficult things, haven't we? The last two years have been rough. I'm not going to list them all. We don't need to relive it. It's really pretty fresh. But I've noticed that a lot of believers are taking their cues from unbelievers. A lot of believers are taking their cues from unbelievers about how they respond to crises and how they respond to stress and how they respond to sickness and how they respond to all the different things that are going on in our world. And they're doing some pretty ungodly things. I'm not going to get into all the specifics of that, but I'm just going to say, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. If you have ears, hear what he's saying to the church today. We need to get our head in the game and focus on the Word of God and think biblically about our lives while we're here and about the kingdom of God being the overarching story of the world. And get our hearts calibrated in the right place. With so many believers running around without joy and without peace. And we know why. And so I just want to challenge you with that. Maybe in some way you are fighting for joy. I find myself in that situation, fighting for joy, fighting for peace. How do you fight for joy? How do you fight for peace? You fight for joy and you fight for peace. By getting alone with God and getting in his word and memorizing his word and believing his word and calling on him and worshiping him and believing that he, by the power of the Holy Spirit, will create in your heart faith and peace and joy and an abundance of hope. He wants to do that for you, uh, wherever you're at. Did you know that your future is bright? Because you are united with Jesus Christ, seated with him in the heavenlies? Did you know that? Did you know that your future is bright? Did you know that nothing shall separate you from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present, things to come nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. Nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That right there ought to get everybody worked up. Because this right here, this is the word of God that he is speaking to you. Take it in, believe it, let it build hope in your heart. The third thing, hope is empowered by the Holy Spirit, and by faith, and it produces joy, peace, and spirals upward into even more hope. So, so how it works. The God of hope gives you his promises. And as he gives you his promises in his word, 
and presents this to you, then by the power of the Holy Spirit, as you believe that word, it creates in you all joy and peace in believing that word. And as that happens, the Holy Spirit enables you to abound in hope, which is really another form of believing. So your faith is strengthened, and the hoping in Christ and hoping in God and hoping in His Word is strengthened, and then it increases, and it increases, and it increases, and it increases. And so you should be in your life, not spiraling out of control, but spiraling up in glory, glorifying God. You should be spiraling up in more faith and more hope and more joy and more peace, more and more toward the one who is the God of hope. Until one day, Paul says, now abide these three things, faith and love and hope. Greatest of these is love, and why? Because there's going to be a day when we see him as he is, and we'll be like him, and we're not going to any longer have to struggle with um, our fallen nature and sin that's in us. We're going to be made completely like Jesus Christ in uh, a new body. So we're not going to be sick anymore. We're not going to die. We will be either resurrected or transformed at his resurrection, at his coming, right? At the resurrection. So one of those two things are going to happen to us. And we know that we're going to live forever in his presence. And that in that place of a new heaven and a new earth, which all creation is groaning for, that new heaven and new earth is going to place, be a place in which no injustice, no sin, nothing is going to be allowed to be other than the righteousness of God, which is going to make it heaven. God's there and sin isn't, okay? And so I think we need to remind ourselves of what's coming and keep talking about it. And let it encourage us and let us build, it, build us up because that's what we're moving toward in this spiral of faith as we're trusting in God and hoping in God, hoping in his gospel, hoping in what he's promised that he's going to do for us when he comes back. What he's going to do for his people in his kingdom. And so one day we're not going to need faith. You don't need faith if you see and we're not going to need hope anymore because we're going to have. Not going to need it because we're going to have it. And it's as good as done already because God has promised it. I want to tell you about my mom and dad. I want to thank many of you for praying for them. A number of weeks ago, they had COVID-19 and my mom uh, was in the hospital, and things got really, really bad. They put her in a pressurized room and put her on her stomach. All kinds of things. And we couldn't see her. And 
she, they were keeping her off her phone. And um, she had clients call her. I don't understand that. But anyway, <laughs> like, I know this is a bad time, but can I have? Like, no, not really, not right now. <laughs> but anyway, she was there on her stomach, crying in pain, alone. Just tore me up. And during that time, I can remember, I felt like my heart was about ready to come right out of my mouth. I hurt so bad. I thought, God, I might lose my mom this week. Please, God, please heal her. I found myself in faith, crying out to him. I didn't know how it was going to turn out, but I knew one thing. I knew all the promises of Scripture were true. I knew God loved my mom deeply. He loves my dad deeply. He's going to do the right thing for my mom and dad. And he's going to take care of me. And ultimately, all of this works out. All of it works out because that's what he said. Well, my mom was encouraging herself. I didn't know it until later. She texted me and she said, I have been praying and meditating and speaking Psalm 40. You say, oh, wow. How did she do that? She didn't have her phone. She was flipped over uh, and could hardly breathe. I'll tell you how. Because my whole life growing up, I watched my mom. I'd come down those stairs, look at her. She was on the sofa in her bathrobe, towel wrapped around her head every day. And a well-worn Bible out on her lap. She was preparing for the day when she would need this. And so what I want to say to you this morning is, prepare yourself now. Because there are words of hope in Scripture that God wants you to take up on your lips and He wants you to have in your heart that are going to aid you and be weapons of your spiritual warfare and are going to help encourage you in a time when you desperately need the Holy Spirit to empower you with that word. So take it up now. Prepare now because there's coming a day when you're going to need it. It just seems like when we experience hard things, when we need encouragement, when we need hope, that's when our faith gets tested. And then when you press in and you express that faith in God, you are, you are expressing that faith, you are strengthening faith muscles. But you are also amplifying your praise. You are amping it up. And I can tell you this morning, there are times for reverent worship. There are times for quietness and stillness before the Lord. But there are also times when you need to shout to the Lord. There are times when you need to amp it up. There are times when you need to proclaim and worship with everything you've got. And the Lord will take that and and aid you and give you power from the Holy Spirit to help you in your time of need. When I woke up this morning, 
And as I was just waking up, and sometimes the Lord does this. I don't know why the Holy Spirit does this, but I just noticed it. Sometimes he'll have like a little song going in my head. It's not one I've listened to any time recently, but it just is there, and it's playing over and over again. And sometimes I realize the Holy Spirit is trying to get my attention. Well, this morning, I'm asleep, and I can hear this song, and then I wake up, and the song is still there. And I'm just getting ready, and the song is still there. It's a song by Elevation Worship. Now the darkness fades into new beginnings as we lift our eyes to a hope beyond. All creation waits with an expectation to declare the reign of the Lord our God. We will not be moved when the earth gives way. For the risen one has overcome. And for every fear, there's an empty grave. For the risen one has overcome. Now the silence breaks in the name of Jesus as the heavens cry, let the earth respond. All creation shouts with the voice of triumph to declare the reign of the Lord our God. We will not be moved. Though the, when the earth gives way, you know this is all based on scripture. We will not be moved when the earth gives way, for the risen one has overcome. And for every fear, there's an empty grave. For the risen one has overcome. This morning, I'd like us to pray for one another. We're going to pray this prayer. And so would you just join me in prayer? We're just going to pray this now. Father God, thank you that you are the God of hope. That hope comes from you. Thank you, God, that you love us the way you do. That you want to give us hope. That you want to give us a future. That you want to encourage your people. And that you want the very best for us, which is to get our eyes on you. That's really what we need. So this morning I pray for everyone here. And we pray for one another. That the God of hope would be in our sights. And we'd be focused on you in our life. Set aside our hope and other things. Hope in our bank accounts, hope in our grades, hope in our friends and connections, hope on, in where we live, the stability of the things around us, maybe our good health. Maybe, Lord, we've been focusing on all of those things as things that are things that bring us hope, that make us feel safe. But this morning, God, we just humbly admit with all the change that comes in life and with the unpredictability of things around us, you alone are our solid rock. You alone are our source of strength. You alone, Lord, are the one that inspires hope. And so, Father, we pray today that you would fill everyone here with all joy, fullness of joy and peace in believing your promises 
and that by the power of the Holy Spirit within us, you would cause us to abound in hope. That it would not just be even a a little whimper of hope, but that it would be an abundance of hope, that it would be amped up, and that it would be something that would just be expressive to you of worship and honor and glory and praise. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Can you just join me in worshiping him together? Let's just lift our voices and our hands to the Lord. Lord, we worship you today. We magnify your holy name. Thank you, God, for what you've done for us in Jesus Christ. Thank you for your precious promises. Thank you, Lord, for a wonderful and sure and certain hope, a blessed hope for every believer in this house. God, we pray, stir up faith, stir up joy, stir up hope. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Help us to make a breakthrough this morning. In Jesus' name, thank you, God. Amen. Amen.